Good morning and welcome back. Uh, thankful to be here with you, continuing our admiration, our celebration of Palm Sunday this morning. As we begin this morning, I'm going to read from John 12, uh, beginning in verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come from the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went over to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand, uh, understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he, was, when he called Lazarus from the tomb raised, raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they heard about uh, the, what he had performed the sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And it seems that today we are the personification of that fear the Pharisees are just talking about. People are going after Jesus then, and they're going after Jesus now, and we are included among that number. And that's, that's pretty cool uh, to me, that we are continuing this legacy of faith and that the Pharisees had a right to be afraid because people will not stop pursuing Jesus. And today, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, and as I was reading this week, I had a little difficulty because, at least for me growing up, you know, Palm Sunday was not as big of a deal as Easter, right? We celebrate Easter, the resurrection, and we should, obviously, you know, hold that up as, as, a, as a major holiday. But Palm Sunday, at least for me, was a kind of a forgotten thing the week before, right? And as I was wrestling this week and as I was trying to understand, okay, why is this important? I kept coming back to the question, what is Jesus trying to communicate to us through Palm Sunday? Okay, and I ask that question because in every single gospel, this story takes place. Okay, there is an account of Jesus coming to Jerusalem. And there's a little bit of different variation, a little different, you know, description of what takes place. But in every gospel, this is accounted for. And to me, that is Jesus saying, this is important. You need to remember this. So the question is, why is this important? And I take two things away from this. Two things to answer the question, why is this important? What is Jesus communicating to us through Palm Sunday? The first thing Jesus is communicating to us is that Jesus is king. Okay, this is his triumphal entry. Okay, this is the time where he is being heralded as king. And it's actually not in the John description, but if you look in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, you'll find kind of a similar uh, telling of this. If you look in Luke 19, beginning in verse 30, Jesus tells two of his disciples, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, say, The Lord needs it. And to me, this just screams of king-like behavior. Okay? A normal person couldn't do this. You know, I've, I've always wondered, you know, you see videos where people just, you know, act like they belong somewhere. 
and they usually get away with whatever. I've seen guys, you know, walk into Disney World carrying a ladder and nobody asks any questions, right? It's this idea that, you know, seeming like you belong there, you kind of get by. That might work, you know, in some situations, but if a king asks you to do something, usually people comply. Okay, and if you look throughout the, the ministry of Jesus, this is kind of uncharacteristic. You know, Jesus could have been doing this his entire ministry. He could have been saying, hey, you go do this and bring this to me. And sometimes he does, right? He tells his disciples to fill up, to fill up jars and turns water into wine. He tells a kid to give him his, his, his lunch, and then he multiplies that lunch. But this seems a little different to me. This seems like a king-like behavior. Go get that donkey and bring it to me. And if they ask questions, tell them, I am the one who needs your donkey. And it seems that, you know, in these accounts, they're asked the question, why are you untying my colt? And they reply, the Lord needs it. And they're just okay with that. I don't know what's going through their mind. I don't know if they really understand. But it seems to me that Jesus is behaving like a king in this moment. Bring me that donkey because I need it. I myself, the king, needs it. He doesn't say it that way. But that's kind of the tone that I'm getting from Jesus. Jesus is king. He tells him to get the donkey. Jesus is king. They spread out these palm branches for Jesus. And, and, and John, they specifically say palm branches. And what we're supposed to associate with palm branches is royalty. Throughout the Old Testament, you'll find different examples of this where royalty is surrounded by palm branches. You might have an image in your mind, at least I do, you know, like, you know, movies where, excuse me, the king is being fanned by palm branches, right? It has this, this imagery of luxury, this imagery of power. And these people bring these palm branches to meet Jesus, signifying his royalty. Jesus is king. He enters the city and people start to shout, Hosanna, which literally means Lord save us. And at the very beginning in our call to worship, I read from Psalm 118 where that is taken from. And this was a, it was a normal proclamation, Lord save us. But in this moment, the people are bringing palm branches to Jesus, signifying his, his royalty, signifying his power. And they're saying, Lord, help us. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. But I ask the question, why are they asking that? Why are they asking, or, or excuse me, not why are they asking, why are they saying that, Hosanna? And I find that the reason for their, you know, continual, and, and it's in every account where, where they're, they're glorifying Jesus as king in this way by saying Hosanna. That something is happening in and around every single time in every single gospel that makes the people say this to Jesus and about Jesus. And it all has to do with miracles. If you look in Matthew and Mark, Jesus is just coming off of healing a man who is blind and returning his sight to him. If you look in Luke, in, in verse uh, 37, at the very end of verse 37, it says, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. If you look in the account that John has here, 
It says right here, now the crowd that was with him when he, in, in verse 17, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. All these people are bringing these palm branches. All these people are saying, Hosanna, Lord, save us. You know, thrusting power and thrusting authority to Jesus in this moment because of the miracles. They believe Jesus to be this Messiah, this, this king-like figure because of the miracles. They want miracle Jesus in this moment. And he's coming in as king. And they are receiving him as king because of the miracles. And they're, it's like they're saying, that's good enough for me. You know, you've convinced me with these miracles. But if we know much about the, the ministry of Jesus, the miracles were not an end of, the, of themselves. Right? If you remember when Jesus is in Luke, when he's meeting with Herod, and Herod wants Jesus to perform signs, Jesus refuses. Right? His miracles are never supposed to be about the miracle. They're always about something else. But all these people on Palm Sunday want miracle Jesus want the signs that he produces, not so much the Jesus that, he's, that he is and he's going to be. So Jesus is king. He gets his donkey. He acts like a king. They spread out palm branches. These people recognize and lift him up. They give him power, dignity, rule, authority, whatever you want to say, and bring these palm branches to them. They say, Hosanna, Lord, save us for his miraculous deeds. And also we see that Jesus fulfills prophecy. Now, I want to make a note here. I think it's very important that John, and I think it's really interesting that actually John includes this. In verse 16, and this is the main reason why I use John's account, because it's important to know. In verse 16, at first his disciples did not understand all this. Jesus is out here doing all this stuff and this prophecy, but... The disciples did not understand. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things that had been written about him. And this is what they're referring to in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the warhouses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. That is what Jesus is personifying in this moment. He is fulfilling this prophecy that Zechariah wrote about. The king has come. He is here. But I also think it's important to recognize that they're not seeing this in real time because, like I said, the people are expecting miraculous Jesus, this miracle worker Jesus, to be their king. Because if you were to go back and read in Zechariah chapter 8, you would know what they're wanting. Okay? And, on, and in Zechariah chapter 9, before we got to that section in verse 9. That this king that is going to bring Jerusalem back is going to be a strong arm. They expect him to bring peace. Well, 
if you are living at this time and you expect your king to bring you peace, but all around you, you see Rome, how do you think this king is going to bring about peace? Is he going to ask Rome nicely? Probably not. They're expecting a king to come in, do miraculous signs, do whatever it takes to bring about peace. And that means getting rid of Rome. They're not ready for Jesus. But Jesus is here. He is king. That is what we want to be taking away from this. The very first thing, Jesus is trying to communicate to these people and to us that Jesus is king. This is their Messiah. Yes, but the second thing is that he's going to be a very different king. He is king, but he's also a different king, and he's much, much more than they could ever think or imagine. And what I think is really special about this is that this is like the one time where it's very out of character for Jesus, right? He's very humble. He says, the meek shall inherit the earth. This doesn't seem very meek. This doesn't seem very humble that he's riding in as king, people are shouting Hosanna. They're throwing these palm branches before him, treating him as king. This, this seems out of character for him. But what Jesus, I think, is trying to underscore is that it is right for you to treat me like a king because I am king. But I'm going to be very different. And I feel like I uh, read this all the time, but whenever I think about Jesus, um, Habakkuk comes to mind. And Habakkuk, I've said this before, Habakkuk is crying out to to God because Israel is about to be taken into exile. And in verse 2 of Habakkuk, he says, How long, Lord, must I call for help? And all this bad stuff is happening around Habakkuk. And this is God's response to him in verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am doing something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I'm doing something far greater than you could ever imagine I am doing. And while, yes, Jesus is saying, I am king, he's also saying, I am not going to be the king that you expect me to be. I am going to bring peace and I am going to restore my people, but I'm not going to do it the way that you expect me to do it. I am king, but I am a different type of king. And this leads me to Ephesians 3. We're talking about this different type of king. We have all these images of kings, right, in our minds. You might be thinking, you know, for me this whole week, I couldn't help but think of of Aladdin. You know, I just recently watched uh, the scene from Aladdin where, in the live action with Will Smith, and they have this beautiful, triumphal entry of Aladdin, right, where he's still Prince Ali, and they have these huge elephants. They have all these people, these dancers, these, these singers and stuff. And it's, and it's huge. And I think that's the king that people are expecting. Right? But Jesus is saying, you know, you can have all that because what I'm going to do is far greater than you could ever think or imagine. And I think of Ephesians chapter 3 because Paul writes this beginning, excuse me, chapter 3. 17, part B. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp, okay, maybe you could think, 
to understand. To grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen paul is trying to encapsulate this idea that anything that we think or imagine or anything that we do the love of jesus overcomes yeah we can think of kings and jesus is saying yeah i am a king but i'm much much greater this part two right i'm a different king more than you could ever think or imagine even if i told you you would not understand and if you look in the gospels he did tell them <laughs> he predicted his, his death many times and they still didn't understand and so jesus communicates he is king but he's also a different kind of king and i'm kind of left with so what now? What does this mean for us? What does Palm Sunday mean for us? And for some reason, I went to the greatest command. And the first of the greatest command is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And in order to do that, in order to love God, it's not just this idea of like, oh, I like this person or I like this thing. No, this is a love that is far more than we could ever think, imagine, or idealize in our lives. To love God inherently means that we need to trust God, and that is really difficult. Palm Sunday is really difficult. Because... If I'm a disciple, I, I, I just I like to think this way sometimes. If I'm a disciple and I'm walking with Jesus and he's on the back of this donkey and people are throwing palm branches at his feet saying, Hosanna, I'm thinking, whoa, things might be looking up for us. You know, I, he said a few things about dying at one point, but this scene is pretty nice. You know, it's that part in the movie where everybody gets back together and, and everybody everything's fine but you press pause and you see wait there's still 30 minutes left in this movie there's there's way too much time left for this to be the end and from history we know this to be true but palm sunday is so important because jesus is saying yes i am king but i'm going to be a different king and something really bad is about to happen to me Today we call it Good Friday because we recognize what happens on Easter. But that day was not good <laughs> to be around, I'm sure, as a friend of Jesus. That is darkness. But we need to remember and we need to understand that in order to have joy, we need to trust God through the darkness and remember that he is king. And remember that he is powerful. Because without Palm Sunday, without the recognition that he is king, those dark days are extra dark because we don't trust and we don't love God. We need to love God. And I think, and I'm using love as kind of like an overarching 
word to describe the love, affection, joy, all the different things you could have, you could associate with love, but especially trust. That in those dark days, in those days of the crucifixion, when things are incredibly dark and there seems to be no other way out, trusting God and saying, I know that you are still here. I love God with all my heart, mind, and soul. And sometimes those things work against each other because I can love, my, I can love God with my mind, but not so much with my heart. And definitely not with my soul some days. But it's about putting those things together and, and truly loving and trusting God in those dark moments to recognize that he is going to be with you through it because he's been with, it, he's been with you in the past and he's going to be with you in the future. Jesus is still king when he's on the cross. Jesus is still king when he's in the tomb. And we're going to celebrate the resurrection, obviously, next Sunday. But even on the cross, Jesus is still king. He's still coming into Jerusalem on the back of that donkey. He is still getting those palm branches you know, thrown at his feet. And he is still definitely being proclaimed as Hosanna, Hosanna, Lord, save us. Even on the cross. We need to recognize that in the light we say Hosanna. In the darkness we say Hosanna, Lord, save us, Jesus is king. And Palm Sunday shows us that Jesus is king. Love God, trust God, and he will be with you through darkness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for Palm Sunday. I thank you for the reminder that Jesus is king but he's far different and far greater than any king we could ever hope or imagine he could have been. Help us to embrace that truth and help us to love God in the middle of a dark situation. That in the middle of a dark situation, help us to be reminded that yes, he is king and he deserves our praise and our admiration and our worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.